At Ball State University, we strive to create distinctive learning opportunities that benefit our students, our faculty, our friends, and our neighbors. Through immersive learning, our students are engaging in hands-on experiences that have an impact on them and on their partners in the community. I'm Ball State President Jeffrey Mearns, and this is Cardinal Compass Campus and Community Conversations. From the campus of Ball State University on Ball State PBS and Indiana Public Radio, this is Cardinal Compass, Campus and Community Conversations. You know you're a Ball State Cardinal when you first hear the chirp, when you look to Frog Baby for luck and Beneficence for guidance. You're a Ball State Cardinal when you chase your dreams, present your case, and win. When the university you call home is small enough to be a community, but big enough to change the world. You know you're a Ball State Cardinal when you're one of us. We are Ball State University. We fly. Welcome to Cardinal Compass. I'm Vincent Martorano. And I'm Lauren Weinman. One of the hallmarks of the educational experience at Ball State University is immersive learning. This program allows students to use skills they learn in the classroom in practical ways. This spring, BSU is offering more than 25 immersive learning classes. Grace McCormick shows us what they're all about and how they impact the students. There's one thing a Spanish language elementary school program, inclusive urban design projects, and rebranding local businesses all have in common. They each started as immersive learning classes at Ball State. Director of Immersive Learning Suzanne Plesha says these classes require problem solving and a lot of teamwork. Immersive learning really fits into almost any discipline it's, it's kind of surprising to see urban planning students help uh, neighborhoods to um, create plans for, um, you know, better security, better quality of life, better entertainment opportunities. Fifth-year architecture and geography student Stephanie Gates has participated in seven immersive learning projects over her college career. Gates says the real-world projects she's worked on have empowered her to help solve community problems while still having a support system behind her. It's kind of nice because you have the guidance of your professors with you and it's like being thrown into the deep end with floaties. While Gates has worked mostly on immersive architecture projects, Plesha says nearly every Ball State department has immersive opportunities. She says immersive learning projects give students and faculty the opportunity to address local challenges. If you can apply your disciplinary knowledge to, to solve real-world problems, chances are you can come up with an immersive learning class that will be really beneficial to students. Not only does immersive learning benefit the community, but Plesha says it also helps students establish communication skills and adaptability for their future careers. To learn more about immersive learning projects, Plesha says students should talk to their academic advisors or go online to the immersive learning website. Grace McCormick, Cardinal Compass. Joining us now is Jennifer Blackmer, the director of the Virginia Ball Center for Creative Inquiry. Jennifer, can you explain what you do at the Virginia Ball Center and what it is? Of course, Lauren. Hi, thanks for having me here today. Absolutely, I'm happy you're here. The Virginia Ball Center actually just celebrated our 20th anniversary two years ago. So we have been in existence for 22 years. Okay. And the Virginia Ball Center is uh, known as the birthplace of immersive learning. And it was actually through the generosity of Virginia Ball herself that the program got started. And uh, 20 years ago, 22-ish years ago, the, the, the mood in higher ed was to try and figure out innovative ways of putting the students in charge of their learning. 
And when Virginia came to the university at the time, she was very excited about underwriting a program. They had asked her for a building or something on campus, and she's like, no, I really want to create something that will influence students directly. And so she worked with my predecessor, Dr. Joe Trimmer, mm -hmm. and then Provost Warren Vanderhill to create a new form of classroom-based learning, really. And it was piloted out at the Virginia Ball Center. We did some very large-scale immersive learning projects. And then about 12 years ago, 12, 14 years ago, they decided to see how they could take that work, which was student-driven projects with community connections, and scale it across campus. So that is how immersive learning as a concept here at Ball State began. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing. And I, for one, was very interested in that because I had no idea what the Virginia Ball Center was about. And with that being said, uh, you said 22-ish years ago, so 2000. Uh -huh. yes. um, since then, how much has the center grown? It has, it has grown and evolved. And that's one of the great things about the work that happens out there is we, uh, we invited faculty from all over campus to come out and really do some innovative work, some amazing projects, and they were very large scale, right? Part of the Virginia Ball Center structure is that the grant funding allows us to uh, basically buy out a faculty member for a semester. And what that means <laughs> okay. is that all they do is come and hang out at the center with a cohort of students and do a project, right? And something that intense is kind of difficult to scale all over campus, right? And every department <laughs> sure. certainly can't afford to do that. So over the years, as the concept of immersive learning is this sort of student-driven practice mm -hmm. moved into the departments, the Virginia Ball Center began to think about ways that we could use our resources to evolve with what students are asking for. And uh, right now, we're in the process. Uh, two years ago, right before uh, the world shut down, <laughs> we began working on a new uh, five-year grant that was given to us by Virginia's foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, she passed away in 2006, but her foundation, the Edmund and Virginia Ball Foundation, has been funding our work since. And um, we are investigating what we call transdisciplinarity, okay. right? And it's, as you know, as students here at Ball State, and President Mearns and I have discussed this a lot, you know, how do you contextualize the, the classes that you're taking and the experiences that you're having outside of your majors, right? What does that have to do with your plan of study? And so we're investigating that now. And in terms of how the center has evolved, we're looking for ways to introduce more students across campus to what it means to think in a transdisciplinary way. Yeah, so we're, we're offering the second of a pilot core curriculum class this semester. It's team taught by three phenomenal faculty members, Dr. Beth Messner from Communication Studies, Dr. Jane Bielke from Educational Studies, and Andre Garner, Professor Andre Garner from the Department of Theater and Dance. And they're teaching a core class for a group of 90 students from all over, all majors, um, on the art of storytelling. It's storytelling across cultures and disciplines. And they're looking at where their three fields, education, mm -hmm. communication, theory, and art intersect. Well, I'm Absolutely. excited to see where that goes. Yeah. yeah. President Martin, so from your position, what are the benefits that you've seen throughout the immersive learning program at your time here? 
Well, so I think uh, I would say there's three benefits, and, and Professor Blackmer touched on the first one. We know, we've been hearing, this is what students want, right? They want to know how what they're learning in the classroom can apply to the world that they will meet uh, and be engaged in after they graduate. The second reason is we know higher education continues to change. And, you know, information is so readily available on the internet and now on all of our smartphones <laughs> that we in higher education need to be less in the business of delivering content and more in the business of delivering experiences. Yeah, experiences where, where students can learn to apply uh, what they've learned in the classroom. And then third, it's consistent with our community engagement, our sense of our mission at Ball State, that we wanna do things that will help improve the vitality of our community because we know our students wanna do that after they graduate. Absolutely, and speaking about those different kinds of projects, how is it decided what kinds of projects students are going to be working on when they enroll in the course and how are they set up? Yeah. Well, I'm going to turn it over to Professor Blackmer, <laughs> but because we said this is what students want, yeah. much of it is driven by the interests of the students under the yes. guidance of faculty. And Jen, you can share more. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the, our faculty members will, will come <laughs> to us at the Virginia Ball Center as well as the Office of Immersive Learning, which I, I used to direct before we started um, thinking about you know, how do we solve the transdisciplinary problem. Mm -hmm. And our faculty members are so innovative. They're just so innovative because mm -hmm. most of the project ideas will come from them as ways of tying their interests, their research in with their teaching in a very fundamental way, right? So mm -hmm. as President Mern said, our students crave experiences. And so with the faculty member and the students working together, oftentimes our faculty will come to us with very innovative ideas for immersive learning classes. Yeah, and if I can build on that, you know, Absolutely. one of the things that we say to prospective students is that at Ball State, one of the things that's distinctive is our faculty see themselves as learning partners with our students. And this is a perfect example. You take the expertise and interests of a faculty, the interests and curiosity of the students, they engage in a conversation and together they develop a project that will be part of that, well, that will be the focus of that immersive learning course. I love that aspect of that. And how have that faculty members that teach these courses responded to immersive learning? It's, it's, uh, they, uh, first of all, when a faculty member will do an immersive learning project for the first time, oftentimes they're really nervous. Mm -hmm. And um, well, I've, I've told faculty members in my, in my years of, of working in this, in this way is to say it's perfectly okay to begin a project by saying, I don't know. I don't know, but we're going to find out together, right? Mm -hmm. And then through the course of an immersive learning project, faculty members are time and time again surprised by the level of, of thinking that their students will bring to the work. And then at the end of it, uh, after the community partner has, has received the benefits of the product that they're creating together, um, the, the, the faculty members will say, that was one of the hardest and one of the best things I have yeah. ever done. Oh, I'm sure. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. While immersive learning projects continue to grow across campus, one partnership in the College of Communication, Information, and Media lets students explore the community in ways they never have been able to before. Taylor Smith spoke with, spoke with members of the 812 Coalition about how this partnership impacted the community members and students. Tucked behind Speedy Auto Sales on South Hoyt Avenue is Muncie's Habitat for Humanity. 
an organization that's worked since 1986 to revitalize, repair, and restore the south side of town. Yeah, we have had a wonderful partnership with um, CCIM over the last two years. We've been so intentional between the 812 Coalition and CCIM to um, bring students into the neighborhood. Habitat for Humanity's Jenna Ashby has organized immersive learning opportunities between the 812 Coalition and Ball State for nearly three years. So when we can connect students to volunteer opportunities and organizations that exist throughout our community and they get connected there and maybe see a possibility for a future here in Muncie, that's really exciting to me. I was in a class that was involved with 812 for that and then uh, thankfully that connected me with Jenna. Job opened up here and thankfully they were willing to keep me around. If it wasn't for the work he did in the community, Payonk says he may not have chosen to stay in Muncie after graduation. You can read theory about working with residents all day, but it's not going to be the same as actually working with uh, residents in the area. Ashby says working with residents in the area comes back to the root of everything they do at Muncie's Habitat for Humanity. They will be here much longer than a class or an employee of an organization. We want it to, to be the thing that, that they desired for their neighborhood. Taylor Smith, Cardinal Compass. Joining us now is the Dean of the College of Inf Communication, Information, and Media, Paige Turner. Paige, how did this partnership with the 812 Coalition develop? So one of the things that Ball State is committed to, and I'm personally committed to, is sustainable, meaningful relationships with our community. And oftentimes we hear for community members that they feel like a Petri dish. A class comes in, they do something, and they leave. And they take the knowledge with them when they leave the institution as well. We are committed <clears throat> to making a difference over time. And any type of relationship has to unfold. You have to learn about each other. You have to have conversations about what is important to each other. So when I came as the dean here, I talked with our faculty and I heard overwhelmingly that they wanted the support to foster that type of meaningful relationship. So we formed a task force that looked at community engagement and we said, how do we deliver that type of relationship and truly be a partner with our community and not treating them just as an experiment? Petri the, dish. <laughs> the Petri dish, exactly. And when we think about immersive learning, we're not just immersing our students in the community, we're immersing the community into Ball State. That's what it means to be part of a community. They went away and I said, what would you like to do? They came back and identified different options and criteria. They wanted some place that they could make a meaningful impact that connected to the skills and knowledge of our faculty and students. And they proposed to the entire faculty that 812 be our community collaborative partner for at least two to three years. And the faculty overwhelmingly supported that initiative. And we've been so gratified to be able to continue it and look forward to what the next step will be. Well, I am for one that I am in complete support of that. <laughs> With that being said, how do you feel this partnership has benefited the 812 program and the students involved directly with it? So we have a number of immersive learning experiences in our university and other universities do as well. This collaborative takes the idea of social responsibility and says it's not a one-off. It's not mm -hmm. just a single moment. This is how you will live your life in relationship with the community. It established trust. So oftentimes when a class might come into a community and they leave, 
they wonder, do they really care about that, us? Are they going to be back? And because we have that relationship, they trust that the work we're doing, we're going to be there to see it continue. One of the things we've been doing is taking family photos at the Ross <gasps> Community Center. That's right? awesome. It's wonderful. But your family changes. Your kids get taller, right? We want yes, to. Yeah, we want. Yeah, they do. As you know, you get grandchildren, right, yes, President yes, Mertz? And we want them to know that every year we'll be back there to take a picture of their family as it grows as well. I love that. Absolutely. And speaking of changing, how is changing the program partnership from being a one semester option to a full year option shown to be more beneficial? And either one of you can answer this one. Yeah, well, so I'll, I'll just yeah. start and then, and then the, turn it over to the dean. And I think what you said a moment ago is building that sense of a long-term partnership, that we're not coming out for a short period of time. So it's building trust, a genuine partnership mm -hmm. with, that, uh, with that particular coalition. What's beneficial to the institution is it's expanding our credibility across the entire region because other uh, community groups know about our, our deep engagement with that neighborhood. So it's building trust and support and confidence throughout the region. And one of the things, um, our comm studies students in a graduate program, they worked with the community to say, what are your needs? And they built an information sheet that says, here's the roadmap of how we want to work together. Mm -hmm. And then they also created information about the community that can be shared with the next class or the next group. So every time a new student or a new class comes into the community, they have to do their background research. They need to learn about the community prior to going into it. And so we're not asking the same questions over and over again. It's kind of like running a race and always having to go back to the start line. We're three laps ahead, and then mm -hmm. the next team comes on, and we just keep going around the track again. Well, thank you for sharing that. And to extend a little bit more on the semester-to-semester -semester basis, mm -hmm. um, how do you think this has excelled in sharing information by students with the coalition? And more so, has it, how has it allowed for more progress? So one of the things is we might go in and do a story about an event that's happening there. So one of our students went in and did a story about a pastor who has a bike repair shop and brings the students in to work on the bikes. I think I've seen that. Right, yeah. yes. And then the students learn those skills, and now they're prepared, uh, they get to keep the bikes they work on. Ooh, that's a plus. Right? Yeah, and then bones. they're going out into the community and working on other bikes. Mm -hmm. So that's a story. Now the question becomes, what do we do after that? So we might have one of our other classes like digital storytelling or our comm studies or our computer and information technology come in and work with those students on what are they doing in terms of the bike applications mm -hmm. and put that into an app so people can find bikes, that they could share bike information, that I no longer need it because my kids have grown and the bike's too small, <laughs> yeah. and now we can distribute that. So it's the amplification of one project that continues into the next semester. That's awesome. Absolutely. And do you think this partnership has allowed students to see how empowering it is for organizations and cities to be restored? Absolutely. They, they can see that their contributions are making a lasting yeah. difference in the lives of other people, mm -hmm. our neighbors in the community. And we believe that that will provide motivation, real inspiration mm -hmm. for our students after they become graduates. You know, that's why we talk about fulfilling careers and leading meaningful lives. And this program, this partnership is really a, a demonstration, a clear demonstration of that. I love the, use of the term inspiration. We know everybody coming out of COVID, we have had to um, be inspired and demonstrate resilience. 
And when you start work with a community partner, you might not see an immediate response. And you have to be resilient and inspired to keep going and going and continuing. That's a skill set our students are going to need throughout their lives, in their personal lives or in their professional lives. And I'm gratified that we're able to provide that because of the type of relationship Ball State has with its community partners. I agree. And with the CCIM partnership being the first immersive learning collaboration with A12, is there anything you would have changed from the beginning or hope to see more of in the future? Well, I would have liked to have started it um, not six months before COVID started. That would have been that really, would really yeah. that would have been wonderful. I think we can say that about a lot of things. <laughs> That's true, yeah. um, so what I would say is it was more of a lesson we learned because we did it right. We took the time to think about what are our strengths? What mm -hmm. could we actually bring to the community? The College of Health has a wonderful programs. They would offer a different type of support to a community mm -hmm. partner. And then we went out and said, here's who we are. Let's talk to the community about what their goals mm -hmm. are so that we can actually support them. And then when we went back to the faculty and the students and we shared our beliefs. Yeah, absolutely. Made and a difference because so we much. cared about it. Yeah. Yes, like I said, thank you so much, Paige. I'm so glad you were able to share this information with us as I was uh, so happy to hear about all of these Absolutely. things. That's all we have time for, unfortunately, for this part of the discussion, though. So we're excited to see how this partnership continues to help the community. President Burns, we'd like to give you the final minute to hear your thoughts on today's conversation. Thanks, Vincent, and thank you, Lauren. We appreciate the opportunity to talk about immersive learning. As we've shared during this conversation, this program illustrates many of the aspects that we think make a Ball State education distinctive. One is, as I mentioned earlier, the opportunity for students to apply what they're learning in the classroom, in both the, the specific class as well as other classes, and, and experience how they can apply it. Mm -hmm. The second thing, as I said, the relationship between our outstanding faculty and our engaged students. This program is reflective yeah. of that. Mm -hmm. And of course, as part of our mission, is our engagement with the community. And so I'm grateful to Professor Trimmer and also to one of my predecessors, President Gora, for really elevating this program mm -hmm. because it really shows how we can take a great idea and expand it across the curriculum and now embed it with a commitment and a partnership in a particular college. So as you can tell, I'm pretty proud and excited <laughs> about immersive learning because it makes us so distinctive. Yeah. As so are there's we. a lot to be proud of with everything that Ball State is doing with the coalition. Again, thank you to President Mearns and our guests, Jennifer Blackmer and Paige Turner, and all of you for joining us in the conversation. I'm Vincent Mortarano. And I'm Lauren Weinman. We hope you'll join us next time for Cardinal Compass Campus and Community Conversations. At Ball State University, we are empowered to seek new insights, unrestrained by convention. We reimagine the future, spread our wings, and fly. Lifted by knowledge, enabled across disciplines, we are inspired, engaged, and exhilarated. Propelled to change the world, and with beneficence as our guide, at Ball State University, we fly. Cardinal Compass was produced at Ball State University by students of the College of Communication, Information, and Media at the studios of University Media Services. Cardinal Compass was produced by Logan Salzbrenner, audio engineering by Wes Guffey. Special thanks to Sean Ashcraft for production assistance. The Department of Media, University Media Services, Ball State Marketing and Communications, and the Digital Corps.